Welcome to Faith on Fire, the broadcast that encourages believers to ignite the power of faith in their lives. Join us now as Pastor Vince Haney and Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. bring the Word of God to fuel your faith. Welcome to another edition of Faith on Fire. I am Pastor Richard Hoyt Jr. from the Community Church of God. And I'm Pastor Vince Haney from Rhema Word of Faith, the Word Church. We're continuing to talk about division in the church. And yesterday we saw 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 10, where Paul talks about some of them were saying, I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, another I follow Cephas. And today I want to turn over to chapter 3, where he talks about this very same issue and it's interesting here because in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you're not yet able, ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for there is jealousy and quarreling among you. Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? And so he says the fact that they're arguing about something that's so unimportant and so out of what God would want us to be arguing about, he says, means that you're just acting as mere men. You're not acting as children of God. Right. And you can't go on past the mere, the, the smallest stuff. You can't go past the milk. You can't go into any kind of deeper thing because you're still stuck here at the very beginning. And so he goes on to there to say, what after all? is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has signed to each his task. And we talked about that just a little bit yesterday. The fact that God calls each of us to our own task. There are general things that God has called us all to be and to do. Mm -hmm. We are all called to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That is not optional for any believer. Every believer is called to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. There's no getting around it. Every believer is told that we are to love our neighbor as ourself. There's no getting around it. And yet, at that same time, God calls each of us to individual tasks. He calls each of us to speak to different people, to do different things. And so... The role he calls me to, the task he calls me to, can be different than the task that he calls you to. Even though we're both pastors, it's to different people in different um, churches. And so it's not going to be the same. And yeah. as we talked yesterday, that is not an accident. That is something that he has done on purpose. And so as God says here, 
Or if Paul writes, only as the Lord has assigned to each his task. And so the fact that somebody has another task does not mean that they are less than us, doesn't mean they're more than us, doesn't mean anything other than God has called them to their own task. And we shouldn't be arguing and fighting over what somebody else's task is. Yeah, and uh, again, I like to use the word of God. And I'm referring to Ephesians chapter 4. And this is what's considered the five-fold ministry. And this is for leadership positions as heads of congregations. I'm, I'm going to put it like that. So in Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 7, he says, uh, actually, verse 4-4, four, four, look what he says. Uh, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And then verse 7, he says, but to each one of us, grace was given. And that's God's favor. God's power was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then he goes down in verse 11. He talks about these gifts and he gave some to be apostles. That's not my anointing yet. Some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. In the next verse, he tells you why. So that's called considered a fivefold ministry. And the next verse is verse twelve. He tells you why he gave these gifts for the equipping of the saints, or another translation may say for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And this is what you referred to earlier, verse thirteen. Till we all come to the unity of Christ. Uh, of we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Meaning, all of us should grow up to start looking like Christ. But He give gifts, different ministry gifts to these ministry leaders, apostles. And I know a lot of times we still in the church by the Christ, we don't even acknowledge apostles, prophets. We don't want to get. We don't. A lot of people we think. That's gone with the old church. Well, yeah, that was that was for when. Jesus but well, was but here, this is New right Testament. After. This was after the resurrect after the resurrection. This was written, and that's still good today. God still used men and women. He did it in Old Testament to to speak what death said the Lord. Actually, the Scripture says in Revelation that we are we are priests and prophets. We are. We're kings. We're priests. We're prophets. Meaning, we can speak what death said the Lord. He gave us some to be a uh, evangelists. Evangelist is somebody who goes place to place declaring the word of God or proclaiming the word of God. And pastors and teachers, they're usually in the head of a congregation. Our ministry is a Bible teaching ministry. God specifically told us what type of ministry we were to be. And not only that, he put other people in my life previous to all that who were pastors and teachers. And I didn't know what he was doing previous. Then later... It was revealed to me, this is why these guys have been sowing into your life, into the good ground of your heart all these years, because I was preparing you to do the same, preparing you to do the same thing. So, but a lot of churches don't understand this. And again, just go back to the Bible. It's in there. And I just remember we we're speaking on division, and I'm going to be honest, and I know Jesus said that you should know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I know the truth offends but when God called us to start the ministry, the Bible teaching ministry that he called us, we were a part of a big denominational church here in our city. 
And uh, when it was time to go, man, when God told us to leave, there was really just so much opposition. And I know who was behind it. It was the devil because he doesn't want the gospel to go forth. He don't want the increase of the kingdom. So I understood that. And I know he works through people and he'll use anybody, ministry leaders as well. But I was just, uh, after, afterwards I got to see how there was that division in the congregation we left. They didn't look at us as being an extension of, the, of promoting the gospel of the kingdom, but, well, they're gone now. And they didn't even ask, hey, you guys have a building or anything? It was like no concern. And I was just reading in Corinthians where it talks about unity. <laughs> yeah, the opposite of unity is disunity, division. It was said that we should all have the same care for one another in the body. And I just remember when we left to start the ministry to do what God called us to do, there was no support there from this, the biggest congregation in Chico. They didn't even say, you know, here's a dime. Do you guys need any chairs? Do you need anything else? They didn't see us as an extension to promote the gospel. And God had led us to a community that had been disenfranchised. And again, you would think they would have that same oneness of mind and say, oh, man, God's sending these guys over here. What can we do to help support that? And again, we understand that God is our source, but I just saw how they missed it. They missed, and a lot of congregations or churches are missing what God is doing because they're so stuck in what they're doing, they don't see what God is doing. See, it's easy to see somebody else as like the enemy. Right, you and know, that's what it is instead of that oneness. And also, and not only, you know, and to be fair here, because, you, you know, saying the biggest church in Chico there are a lot of small churches that see that church, and I know who you're talking about, as the enemy. Right. They're trying to get our people. They're, you know, we can't do anything with them at their building because they'll be more professional. They'll be bigger. They'll be more theatrical. So we're all we're, competition. They'll, right. They'll, they'll, they might steal some of our people if we do something with them. And so it works both ways. See, if you're the big church, you don't want to see anybody else starting up because that right. could be people that could come in here. But then if you're small, you don't want to do anything with that big church because they might steal some of our people. Or the and big so church. you start to see other churches as the enemy rather than the devil. As right, the enemy. I right. somewhere not too long ago, and I actually wrote it down. It was so good. The guns of one division of God's army are too often aimed at another division of God's army right. instead of the enemy. Right. Instead of them saying, hey, let's get on board what God is doing in their life, because he's, obviously he's called them to ministry, because all the time I was there, I was always speaking the word. I was just there yesterday for a wedding, and a lady came up to me that's still a member there. She said, you know what? You, are, you were just always just giving hope. Have words of hope come out of your mouth, words of faith. And again... I still do. And she said, I just want to thank you for that. But instead of, you know, getting on board what God was doing and, and the call that he had on our life and ministry, they saw it as a loss. Right. Like, well, people we're, were going to be leaving. People were leaving and, uh, and not we saying. We can't have people leaving. Right. Not seeing it as we're going to evangelize a, a community that you didn't want to go in because those people didn't look like you or you bought into the lie concerning those people. And that's what it was. And I'm going to tell it like it is because that's what it was. And we're over there impact in that community and again i always tell people get involved with what god is doing don't use don't let intellect or emotions get in the way if god says go into all the world if he's sending somebody out to your congregation especially if there's a thousand members or more let them go you know 
Go with blessings. Yeah, go with blessings. You know, ask them, do what do you need? How, how can we help you? Because now that's the mind of the Father. <laughs> that's the mind of Christ right there. Not, oh, we're losing. We done lost, you know, our token, blah, blah, blah. We done lost these guys. And you shouldn't think like that. And I, I still, yesterday I was there at a wedding, and I still see that as my church home. Because when I got saved, that's where God led me to. And it didn't look right, predominantly white congregation, and we were an African-American family. But that's what God told us to go, and we were obedient to that. So, and again, I tell people we were there every Sunday. It wasn't a Sunday that I said, I don't feel like going to service. Every Sunday that I was in town, I went to service and got behind the pastor's vision because I understand God anoints and blesses pastors with a vision and i got we got behind that because we understand order <laughs> god has an order and you have to be in his order and we did that and again i'm reminded of the scripture uh humble yourself under the mighty hand of god and he'll exalt you in due season humbling yourself under god's hand is being obedient and submitting to what he said even though your feelings don't agree with it and that's what it is to walk by faith i walk by what god says and what's pleasing to him, even though my flesh or my emotions don't feel like doing it, I'm going to do it because it's what does says the Lord. It's pleasing to him. Well, see, Paul could look at this church, and they were arguing about who was better, Paulos, Paul, Peter. Mm -hmm. And he, as he speaks to them, it's not my church. It's not Apollos' church. It's not Peter's right, church. Right, that's what he was it's saying. Christ's church. Right. And it's easy for us to forget that. I mean, even today, you know, we were talking yesterday on yesterday's show that this letter could be written to the first Californians instead of the first Corinthians because it's so easy for us to start to see the church as like ours and we've got to protect it and we can't let anybody get away and mm -hmm. that the goal of the church should be to make sure nobody gets away and we got to guard the church. The goal of the church is to share the Great Commission, to tell people about Jesus and... Yet somehow we think that the first rule is to keep ourselves going, to to make sure that, that things stay the same or get bigger. And we certainly can't have the church getting smaller because we we sent off a missionary to somewhere or done something like well, that. And, and again, here in, in California, especially where we live, yeah, we don't mind sending a missionary off in another country, but we ain't going to send them in a in a a disenfranchised community well, in our own city. We might get those people. If right. And that's the mindset. In my mindset, again, it's a kingdom. And we got to get those people for our church. Right, for our church. And they speak like that too, our church. Ooh, I love our church. And I'm like, wow. And now, people, I understand what people mean I know what that, they mean, but, but again. But it's not our church. It's not. And it's again, not my church. if you're a student of the scripture, you'll start learning that Christ said the church is his and it's his body. Again, a lot of people always ask me, so where's your church at? And I say, well, I don't really have a church. Jesus has a church. I, I pastor a congregation, and we meet at such and such, such and such address. That's where we meet on Sundays. And on Sundays, we gather together and do what we do. I preach the word. We praise and worship the Lord through song. We bring our tithes and offerings. We fellowship. We pray for one another. We encourage one another, and we send them out. I, I, and that's my job. Train them up, send them out. And I, and I tell them, take cards, not mostly to invite people to church, but invite them to Christ. Invite people to Christ. Jesus says, I am the door. So that should be our mindset. We're inviting people to Christ, not necessarily to our church. 
Because here's the deal. What's what I found out in Acts? The scripture says, God adds to the church the members as it pleases him. He, and he know what congregation he wants you in. And again, I was just thinking about that with the children of Israel. And all throughout the Old Testament, especially the children of Israel, there was 12 tribes. And those tribes were made up of thousands. But everyone was a part of a tribe or a congregation. No one could say, well, I don't belong to a congregation. Well, because in those congregations, that's where their inheritance is God was sending them into the promised land. You had, and I think the Native Americans have a revelation of this. Because they're all part of a tribe. And with those tribes, there's, some, there's a, an order too. And again, that's the way God wants us to be. He wants us to be in a congregation. So if he wants you over there at that congregation, well, bless you. Praise the Lord because that's where he wants you to grow and mature in the Lord, in the spirit at. And he may want you over here so you can't have everybody. <laughs> well, see, and we're not to see the other people as enemies. Right. As, you know. I, I've known Christians, you've probably seen this happen too, where another church has some sort of issue. Like they have a problem with the pastor. And there are people that literally take pleasure in that. To hear that they're having trouble. Because right. I never liked that bunch anyway. Right. That bunch always thought they were holier than thou. That bunch always thought they were better than everybody else. And not so, knowing that those are your brothers and sisters. And so secretly, or not so secretly, they took pleasure in the fact that that congregation had some sort of problem because that proves they're not any better than me. Right, right, right. True, they weren't saved. <laughs> right. And so, so it's easy. This, this wasn't something that Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians. The Corinthians said, yep, he's exactly right. We're not going to ever have this problem again. And so this problem's been eradicated from the church. No, we still see these kind of things where people are arguing and dividing over these things. And, and again, I like to say, you know what, I got saved 15, 14, 15 years ago in 1999. And, again, I was 38 years old when I got saved, so I didn't get religiousized. I didn't grow up with, with that. I came in like Paul, by revelation. <laughs> so as I came in, I started, I started studying the Bible. And I guess God had that for me before the foundation of the world. I started studying the Bible, and I was looking at the churches, the congregations in our community, and it didn't really line up with the scriptures. And I was like, something's wrong, man, because I'm a new. I'm new. And I'm like, this doesn't look like what I'm seeing, especially where my wife was going. It didn't look like that because all this stuff was going on, division, jealousy, stuff that was happening in the world that I came out of, that I was a part of. They were doing it there. And I'm like, well, what's the difference? Right, who I might as well stay here and do this. And that's why I told God, you know what, I don't want to be like that. And then I, I found out later that I'm a work in progress, too, because... I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm being transformed into the image of Jesus. That's a process. But at the same time, the desire should be to look more and more like Christ. That's the direction that we should be headed. Not, remember, he said, don't be conformed to this world. He's talking to church folk. But be transformed by renewing your mind. Renewing your mind to think like God. And, and to think like God, all you got to do is, feed on his word, you'll start thinking about him. That's like we were talking about with Paul. Ain't no division in the body of Christ. So that's having the mind of Christ. And then promoting, we, we should be promoting unity. And again, I'm not trying to brag or boast, but I'm, I go to every other congregation, they're doing something. If I can make it, I'm there. 
I'm at pastor's meetings. I promote unity. I love unity because that's what God loves. That's all I'm saying, Richard. I only love what he loves. And I'm loving more of what he loves because I'm drawing near to him and he's drawing near to me. So whatever he loves. And again, I may not like the past, a lot of the pastors at the pastor's meeting, but I love them. Remember, I'm commanded to love them. I may not agree with everything Pastor Richard believes, but I still love them. That's two different things. I'm pretty sure God doesn't agree with everything I do, but praise the, I'm glad he loves me. Amen. I'm glad he loves me. I know he don't agree with everything Vince believes. I know the Lord don't. But again, my desire is to line up with his desire. And his desire is that I be look like Christ. And that's the direction we should be moving to. And if that's concerning unity and getting rid of division and all that crap, we need to just be doing that. Well, what does Paul say here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 again? Um, at the end of verse 5, he says, As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos it watered is. it, but God made it. it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. There it is. And he so makes things grow. Thing. See, he Can planted, he make my congregation grow too? He planted Apollos watered. They both they had a different job, but they were both doing what? God's work. And it was God who made it grow. It wasn't Paul who made it grow. It wasn't Apollos who made it grow. It was God who made it well, grow. Well, here's a, a example in a natural. I bought the seeds from the seed feed store, the seed store. Actually, Richard gave me the money to buy the seeds. I went and purchased the seeds. And I gave them to Andrew. He planted the seeds. But I can't make anything grow because the earth is the Lord's in the fullness of. When we plant a seed in the ground, whatever happens, the way God ordained it to happen, created it to happen, he makes it grow. But, yes, we all did our part. And that's the way. It's like a body. You know, my, I got a lot of some parts on my body, and they all help me. <laughs> And that's the way he says, look at one another like that. You're all one now. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus prayed that in John 17. Father, I wish they'd be one just like we are. We ain't set tripping. We ain't in disunity. We're in harmony with one another. He said, that's what I pray for my church, my body, the saints. And again, I always tell people, this is faith on fire. That's what I desire. And I know that's God's desire is to see his people like that. And that's See, we can only do what God has called us to do, and we are only responsible for what God has called us to do. So Paul was responsible as God called him to plant seed. Apollos was responsible as God called him to water seed, but it was God who made it grow. It wasn't either one of those two. And so all they were responsible for was doing what God called them to do. Mm -hmm. And what the other one was doing wasn't really, in one sense, wasn't any of their business in the sense of, I have to guard against them getting more popularity than me, or I got to guard against they're, they're going to be have more followers. Paul knew me. he was out of there. Paul was like, I got to get to Rome. Right. Paul <laughs> I'm planting somebody else's water. Hey, I'm, I'm gone. I'm going to do some more planting. And Paul <laughs> could write a letter to a church that he had never been to. Right. Planting the seed. Planting the seed. And encouraging them, even though that wasn't his church. You know, we tend to think we, can, we only are responsible or, or have any 
reason to write or do anything with our church. The other churches, we, we don't care. That's interesting that we're on this subject because this morning, just before I left the house, I was watching this pastor, Pastor Ron Carpenter, on the Word Network. He's from Greenville, South Carolina. But he was preaching on the kingdom of God, and he was preaching how the kingdom of God works off the seed principle. Seed, time, and harvest, and we just talked about one plants, one waters, God gives the increase. And he was talking about, you know, just receiving the seed, and the seed is the word of God. And I found out how the word of God grows. It grows as you nurture it by meditating on it. That's the form of watering and nurturing it. You're meditating on it day and night. It'll grow up. But uh, as he was talking about that, and I was, my daughter was watching it with me, and I was explaining to her, see, that's what I'm preaching all the time. Seed, seed, kingdom, seed. And then we leave the house, and I stop at the gas station to get some gas. And, of course, me, I, I understand that my words are spirit in their life, and gas being almost $4 a gallon, as I'm pumping it in there, I'm speaking to it. Because I operate in this, I walk by faith, not by sight. I'm speaking to this $3.87 a gallon gasoline. I'm commanding it because I only put 25 in, but I'm commanding it to replenish itself as the car is in motion and as it sits I'm speaking to it. Just like Jesus spoke to the fig tree. Words are seed and they produce spiritual, natural, physical manifestation. So as I'm speaking to the gas, and now I'm knowing I've been doing this more and more for a couple years now. I'm getting a little bold with it. I used to do it quietly under my tongue, and but now I just do it. And next to me was a gentleman gassing up his van, and he heard me speak to the gas. And he's like, oh, man, you're sowing good seed. Just, that's good seed right there. And I received that. So he started bearing witness to what I was saying. And he, before I left, you know what he said? He said, thank you for planting seed. <laughs> and my daughter sitting there listening to him like that. But the guy confirmed what I was doing. But again, he let me know he was a brother in Christ. I didn't give him a card to our ministry to try to win him over. He just said, thank you for planting seed. Like Paul said, one plants, one waters. God gave the increase. Whatever he heard me saying... He received it as seed. And he says, thank right, you. He was helping his faith grow. That's what he was saying. That's what he said right there. It's helping my faith. Remember, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say that it's gasoline. Blah, blah, blah. Or this tree. Be And he just you received know it. Christians don't believe that. I believe it. That's why I do it. I mean, do you know how many Christians don't believe I know, it? I know there's so many. That. But that's what God called us to teach and preach. And that's what we do. And we practice it. Monday through Saturday. I mean, it was we were, Monday. We were talking on the show a couple weeks ago, and, and I was talking recently with a person that that said there's no such thing as biblical miracles anymore, that a miracle is defined by the Bible. God doesn't do those anymore. Okay. And so the idea that you would speak to your gas as it was going into your car, most Christians would say that, well, that's just crazy. Man, I speak to my credit card, my wallet. I speak to my bank card. But we're out of time, but we're definitely not out of faith and uh Again, we just want to remind you as you go through this week, speak to your gasoline and keep walking by faith. this broadcast has been a blessing to you, we ask that you would consider sending a love offering to Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 95927, which allows this broadcast to continue in your local area. Again, that's Faith on Fire, P.O. Box 7508, Chico, California, 
95927. Please join us again next time on this great station for more Faith on Fire.